What up, it's your boy Tony Sumo coming to you with another episode. But before I get down with my guest, let me get my plugs out of the way. Go to dirtycleaneats.com. Check out the product there. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, and listen to their podcast, the DCE Pirate Radio Podcast on iTunes. Now use the code DCE Tiny Sumo for 10% off in store. Get some jammo in your life. It'll kill what ails you. And check out tiki-tribe.com. That's T-I-I-K-I tribe.com for all your ready-made meal solutions. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram too. And if you use the code Tiny Sumo, you can get 20% off in store with those guys now. And me, I'm your boy Tiny Sumo. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, iTunes, YouTube. Like, share, subscribe, follow, leave a five-star review. Tell your friends, tell your family. Your boy appreciates it. But I think that's enough of a plug. So let me get down with my guest. You. Hey, bro. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Uh, it's been a good day. Dude, thank you for taking the time to have a chat. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. No, man I appreciate you doing the, uh, doing the interview. No worries at all. Now, look, we got some stuff to talk about. I don't know if you've seen any of the chats before. I know you've got a big fight coming up, and I obviously want to talk about that. But uh, one of the things I like to do with the chats, I like to get a little bit of a backstory. I like to find out how people got involved in fighting in the first place. And you've got a good yeah. story, man. I like your story. Your story is the kind of thing they make movies about, you know, the, the moving around, becoming a doctor, that sort of stuff anyway, is its own story. So if you could... Tell me back yeah. and tell me how you first got involved in uh, fighting in the first place. Um, well, I, I never really wanted to be a fighter, you know. Um, what, what I really just wanted to be was, um, was accepted, you know. That was, that was really what got me into sports in the first place. And, uh, you know, at the time when I was in the UK, the thing that the sport that I found or I stumbled into was, was rugby union. Um, and I ended up playing rugby union for school. I did really well. I had county trials, ended up playing for county. Then I had regional trials, ended up playing for regionals. And I, then I, you know, I ended up playing, um, at international, uh, level rugby. I ended up signing a professional rugby contract. And, uh, before I knew it, I, I, you know, I had, I had this career in rugby. Um, obviously all of this was alongside medicine as well. So I was, I was mm. balancing two things. I was, I was, I was at medical school, but I was playing international rugby for the England students team. And I was also playing uh, professional rugby for Leeds as well. So I was doing all of these things all at the same time. And uh, it was going really well. Um, and, you know, at that stage in my life, I, I really felt that, like, me being good at this particular sport, um, it, it, it kind of um, it opened up a lot of doors for me. It opened up a lot of friendship circles for me. Um, which I just didn't have when I first arrived in the UK um, as a as a refugee. I didn't really know anybody. I got bullied a lot at school, um, and I didn't really have very many friends. And, and not many people really took me that seriously. Um, and it was only when I did well at sports that people did. Um, and you know, sport and rugby it gave me a it gave, me, it gave me this great personal confidence uh, that I'd never had before. Um, and it really gave me a, a platform to express myself, which which I never felt comfortable doing. Um, and it was only in my second year playing as a pro, um, I, I dislocated uh, both shoulders, and uh, I ended up um, I ended up having surgery on my shoulders. I ended up having um, four surgeries in total on my shoulders. Um, took about two years um, with these four surgeries. Back-to-back rehab, I was, you know, 
22 months of rehab, four surgeries, and pretty much my my rugby career was was you know pretty much over. Um, I uh, I could have got back in if I if I if I really wanted to, but you know the the team was telling me that I need to give up medicine if I wanted to pursue. Uh, my professional rugby contract. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to support an injured medical student. You know what I mean? Who also plays med- and also plays rugby. They, they thought that was just too much for me to to do, and they wanted my mm-hmm. full attention. And I couldn't really do that. I was in my final year at medical school, and um, you know, I tried to get back into rugby. I played a bit of lower league rugby again, um, but it just wasn't the same. You know, once you've reached the the, the top of a sport or a really high level of a sport, it's really hard to go back down to, to playing, you know, um, a not very high level. Um, not, not, not because I thought I was better than anyone or anything like that, but just because of the, the pace of the game, the, cool. the, the preparation of the game, the ferocity of the game. You know, I, I'd learned to grow to enjoy, you know, being 100% focused and, and training really hard. But, you know, now I was playing stuff where, you know, everyone would be, you know, more eager about having a drink at the end of the rugby match <laughs> rather than rather than the actual game itself. And yeah. you know, I don't mind that, but you know, I want to want to I want to push myself and I want to be competitive. And, and it just wasn't competitive for me, you know. Um, and I think it was, you know, after my fourth surgery, uh, I was just like, you know, what am I doing with myself? I'm, I'm not playing any competitive rugby. I'm I'm not doing anything um, that I you know, that I'm enjoying. And um, I lived by an MMA gym, literally over the road. I lived by this gym for about two and a half years. And and I never once, it never crossed my mind to to do MMA. But, um, you know, I just made the decision, you know, to to step in and and have a look. Um, And I did. And and the first thing that the guy, the the owner at the gym, he just looked at me and he went, we're going to make you a world champion. And I was, I was a bit like, I was like, well, this is a pretty interesting sales pitch this guy's going on here. You know what I mean? I, I couldn't take him seriously initially. But, um, you know, we did a, my first jiu-jitsu class and, uh, and, you know, he was like, you know, you, you very, you know, you've got very good natural movement, in your hips and, and whatnot. And, and I just put it down to the fact that I played, you know, uh, at a high level as a prop and I could scrimmage and, you know, you have mm. to, technically you have to get your hips really low and, to be able to scrimmage, especially at that level. So I just I just put it down to just having a natural ability for it because of my years and years of scrimmaging. Um, anyway, you know, I started to enjoy the training and, and it was good for my rehab as well. You know, I was training as hard as I wanted to and sparring when I needed to and whatnot in jiu-jitsu and it allowed my shoulders enough time to recover. And then within, you know, six months of doing jiu-jitsu, uh, my coaches were like, "Look, we're we're gonna we're gonna put you in a blue belt tournament, even though you're a white belt, and we're just gonna see how you get on." Um, so I, you know, obviously I'm always always up for a challenge. So I said I'd, I'd love to, and I did my first, you know, jiu-jitsu tournament, and uh, I uh, I won quadruple gold as a as a white belt competing with the blue belts. I won the uh, nogi my class and the open class, and I won the gi my weight class and the open class and then from there it just kind of the ball just didn't really stop i just carried on competing i won the uh, british open i won the scottish open uh won the english open i then won the adcc advanced dublin um and then uh and then my coaches were like you know maybe you should try competing outside of the uk 
So we did the European International at IBJDF um, European Nogi tournament in Rome, and I got double gold in that. Um, and then, uh, and then we're like, well, the only thing left now is the Worlds, and it's two months away. Well, what do you reckon? I just said, you know, I've, I've won everything so far. I may as well <laughs> give it a go. Um, so, um, yeah, I, uh, I saved up my money. I trained really hard. I was working full time as a as a as an SHO doctor in the UK, and I was working like eighty hour weeks. But I would be, you know, finishing a thirteen hour shift in the National Health Service in the UK, and I'd be going straight to training. And if the gym was closed, I would I would go for a run uh, in rainy Glasgow, and I and I would do that, and I would just constantly just be doing something. I'd be watching videos on my night shift whenever there was a moment of quietness, and I'd be watching like jiu-jitsu and, and structural videos and stuff like that and i'd be practicing on skeleton dolls and, and this and the other in the, <laughs> in, the, in the department just anything because I, I didn't have the time uh, that everyone else had and because i was you know i, I i'm self-funding myself you know a lot of people they when they're trying to compete um, at a high level and stuff they get sponsors in and stuff like that and i i didn't really want to have any sponsors i just wanted to do it all off my own back i didn't want to feel like i owed anyone anything Mm. Um, you know, because my whole life, you know, when I played rugby and when I, you know, when I made it into, into the professional leagues in rugby, I remember I arrived at medical school and, you know, I, I, I'd only played at this stage. I'd only played about re- regional level rugby and, um, I played for the university team and it you know, our university is not a prestigious rugby university. And uh, after a few games, uh, the coach was like, look, you, you, you're, you're a prop and you're scoring all these tries and, you know, you're doing really well and you're a, you're, you're a first year, you know, and you, you're mixing it in with all these older years and you're, you're absolutely dominating. So, so we're going to send you for a trial at, uh, at Sale Sharks. And I was thinking, I really don't want to go to a trial at Sale Sharks. I was like, this is... Um, like, this is a bit much. I was like, I don't, cause the truth of the matter was, was my boots that I had uh, were torn to pieces. They were only held together with tape. And um, I was really embarrassed to, you know, go to a tournament with this, you know, with these premiership giants and sell sharks and, and not really have any decent boots to wear to play. Um, so I, I turned up to the game um I'm I didn't have a car. I had to catch a, I had to catch a bus and then a train and then a tram and then another bus and then I walked a mile to get to to the training ground. And I arrived and I was meant to be on the bench, starting for for, for Sale Academy against Leicester Academy. And um, I uh, I remember arriving in and uh, the first person I walked past is, is Manu Tuolangi. And he's playing for Leicester at the time. And uh, he's in their academy team. And, you know, we're both like 19 years old at this stage. And then and then walks behind him is George Ford, who's currently the England number 10. So this was the Leicester academy. And I just thought I was on the bench and they were saying that he was going to give me 20 minutes. Turned out the prop that was meant to be starting uh, called in sick. <laughs> so the academy coach comes up to me and he goes, no, you're starting. He goes, I, he goes, I hope you're all right with that. Trying, he's trying to test my mental resolve. And I just thought to myself, well, you know, 
screw it. Let's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how bad how bad can it go? You know, no one no one's expecting anything of me because in the in the in the program because uh, we had like the the program of the of the of the game and it, you know it had Manitou along with George Ford, England under twenties captain, England under twenties this, England under eighteens representation, Scotland under twenties. Everybody had international representation. Apart from me, I was just that. that they even spelled my name wrong. It was like they spelled like they spelled Mo Mustafa and Mustafa with an O, and it was like Mustafa, um, and it was just like Liverpool University. And I, I just thought, well, really, even if I play badly, they're not going to know. They don't even know my actual name. You know, it's yeah. not going to matter. So, um, you know, I got on the pitch and I, um, I absolutely smashed it. Um, uh, I, I scored a try. I um, I scrummaged really well and I played the whole the whole eighty minutes and uh, at the end of the game, um, Jason Robinson, who obviously the England legend, uh, scored against Australia in the Rugby World Cup two thousand and three. I'll, I'll just remind you of that. But, um, <laughs> he he was the Sale Sharks manager at the time and he was the coach and he came up to me and he said, "I'm I'm really impressed, son." He goes, "We'll see you at training on Monday," and I thought. Well, does he even mean training on Monday? And then the academy coach came up to me and goes, yeah, you're training with the first team on Monday. And I was like, I don't even have any boots. I don't have a car. Like this is in Manchester. I'm at university in Liverpool. This is like, it's like three hours of public transport to get here. I'm like, what am I going to do on Monday? You know what I mean? And I've got university. Mm. <laughs> How am I going to balance this? But I was like, but it's a great opportunity. So I'm going to find a way to make it work. So, um, you know, I'd be getting up at four o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, to catch a train, uh, well, to catch a bus from where student halls were in Liverpool. I'd catch the train from there to um, to Liverpool train station. I'd get the train from Liverpool to Manchester. I would then get the tram from Manchester Piccadilly to uh, um, Sale. I would then get the bus from Sale to Carrington Lane. And Carrington Lane is where Sale Sharks used to train, but it was it's also where Manchester United and Manchester City train. Mm-hmm. So they all train there. So when I arrived, I had to, because it's uh, like down this really long road and it's quite closed off and private because obviously there's these huge sporting teams there training, so they don't really have it out in the open. Um, so the bus the bus wouldn't go down that, that road and it's it's about a mile in, in, inwards. So I would, uh, I would walk a mile um, and obviously because, you know, it, it's where all the footballers train, they'd just be like... <laughs> Ferraris and Bugattis driving past <laughs> to Barcelona, and I'm just this guy with like with this oversized bag, just profusely sweating, um, <laughs> trying to get to walking to training. And I remember one time actually um, at the time it was like uh, uh, I don't know if you know uh, Mario Balotelli. Do you, do you remember him? I know. Footballer for, yep. Footballer for Man City also played for Italy as well. Um, I remember a few times when I used to do this trip, he, he stopped by once and he was like, I always see you walking. Where are you going? And I go, oh, I'm just going to, tra- uh, to sail to, uh, to sail sharks to training. He was like, Oh, I'll drop you. It's just down the road. So I, I, he used to give me a lift every now and again. <laughs> I just sat there with like an international footballer and he's like, Gaddy, Ferrari or whatever he was driving. And I'm just sat there like, you know, trying not to stink up the place because I've been traveling for like three hours to get here. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty funny. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I did that and I, I then eventually, um, got, um, trials 
to try out for the England students team. I, I got into the England students team. Uh, I played for the England students, and then um, and then I got scouted by Leeds. And, and Leeds wanted me to play for their first team, whereas say I was I was kind of still on the periphery. So I joined Leeds, and, and you know uh, I made my debut. And uh, after I made my debut, I, I just never got dropped. I always started or was on the bench. Um, and uh, you know th- that's where the nickname uh, Beast from the Middle East came from. Um, you know there was there was always chance of Beast every time I'd get the ball, and then. Uh, and then, and then I just, I just decided to call myself the beast from the Middle East, and and it seemed to stick, and everyone, everyone kept chanting it in the in the crowd. So that that, that was my name, and yeah, I mean, like I say, everything went really well, and and then I got injured, and and you know, and that's when I when I took up jujitsu and and all of those things, and then eventually managed to get myself to the worlds, went to the worlds on my own. Um, obviously, you know, it's quite expensive to go out to America. I didn't really have my coach with me or anyone like that, so I just I just went on my own, and it was a very very um, surreal experience because I was in I was in uh, I was at the the tournament and uh, you've got all the all the greatest grapplers in the world are there because they're all competing or their friends are competing and they're competing the next day, and I was in there and I was just you know I was by myself I didn't have anyone to warm up I didn't have anyone in my corner. And pretty much most of the guys that were there were all American or Brazilians, and they all had huge, you know, gyms that they all were coming from that were all tumbling down. So they all had their coaches and everything. And I was just on my own. Um, so you know, I was just I was just warming up, doing star jumps, and I was like, this is you know, this is this is all I've got. I'm just doing some some forward rolls. And I was thinking, well, this is not ideal for for competing at the world, but all I've got is myself here. Mm. And then, um, and C.T. Fletcher, I don't know if you've heard of C.T. Fletcher. Yeah, yep. Um, C.T. Fletcher turns up. Um, you know, I told him about it, and he said he was going to come. But I, you know, I didn't think he was going to come. You know, he's been such a big deal and such a, he's such a an icon. And uh, I remember just I was I was literally about to go on, and all I heard in the background was, "Which one of these motherfuckers is coming in?" Second? <laughs> And I was looking around, and there CT was just going, just going, big mouth. He was like, "You tell me which one of these motherfuckers is coming in second. And like, just absolutely jeering me up. And then, and then it went from like everyone going, "Who's this guy? He's on his own." To like, "Who the fuck is this guy with CT Fletcher? Like, what's, what's this guy? What's this guy's like end game? You know what I mean? He's just there with 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 with, uh, with CT Fletcher. And then what?" What also happened, I made friends with one of the competitors that was in my, my, uh, that was competing with me. And um, he's related to Wiz Khalifa. Yep. So Wiz Khalifa was there as well. Um, and he got knocked out of the tournament, but he just said, look, Mo, you're f-, and, and, and I'm still, in, I'm still, I'm still in touch with this guy to this day. And we're still good friends. And I still, every time I go out to the States, I, I go out and visit him. And he just went, look, Mo. Your family now, he goes, all my family are going to support you. So for the rest of the tournament, I had his family and with Khalifa all, all shouting and cheering. And, and T.T. Fletcher. So it just went from me being on my own to T.T. Fletcher, with Khalifa. And everyone was like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> Literally, like, every celebrity in the house is supporting this random English guy. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty surreal. And uh, I ended up getting the bronze medal. Um, the guy that I lost to was uh, 
was the eventual winner. Um, he was a black belt in judo. And I think he competed in the Olympics for the Iranian judo team. Mm-hmm. So I was competing as a blue belt. So, well, I, like, you know, he was, he, he never submitted me or anything like that. He just, he did like, I think a couple of judo throws on me and, uh, mm-hmm. and he beat me with that. So I was, um, I was disappointed, but at the same time, I was like, you know, I've just, I've literally beaten everybody. I've beaten former NFL players who are absolutely massive. I've beaten guys who have done jiu-jitsu their whole life. I've beaten guys who train full-time. I'm a doctor working 80 hours a week, come here on my own, warmed up on my own, and, and I've come away with a bronze medal at the Worlds. Mm. Um, and then um, and then after that, you know, like the, the bug started to continue, and I just thought, you know, why stop at jiu-jitsu? Like, let's, let's go for MMA. And, uh, you know, I started training striking and this, that, and the other, but it was really difficult because a lot of gyms do not have any heavyweights. Yeah. So there's there's no one to train with. So I'd come in and, you know, I'd never really get any decent training in because you always have to go really light with this person or, you know, you're not allowed to, you know, when you're wrestling and stuff like that, you don't, you know, lifting up a 70 kilogram guy when you're 120, 130 kilos, like it's not really realistic. Mm. What are you going to do? You have no idea whether your technique is correct or not. So there was a lot. There was there was a lot of time where I was just in limbo. Really, I was just going around from gym to gym, not getting any real decent training in, and uh, not really learning much or improving much. And it was disappointing because obviously I was like, you know, when I played rugby, I played for four years and I signed a professional contract. I did jiu-jitsu for two years and I walked away with a world with a world medal. You know what I mean? And I was like, and here I am with this MMA, and it's just not going anywhere at all, you know? Mm. Um, and it was only because I was doing my uh, doctoring work as a ringside doctor um, that I met uh, Steve, Steve NG, who's the uh, head uh, head coach at Matrix Boxing Gym. And uh, I remember one day I just, I dropped him a message and I just said, Hey, look, like I, you know, I know you're a boxing gym, but I, I really just want to improve my striking. I want to have an MMA fight. And, you know, I know you've done MMA before and I know you're a good boxing coach. Can you, can you just coach me in boxing? And he said, yeah, come down to the gym. Um, so I came down to the gym, did, did a few sessions with Steve. And then he introduced me to Lenny and, uh, Lenny had a jujitsu school within the matrix gym itself. And he was also a previous MMA fighter and he was looking to coach in MMA. And, uh, you know, me and Lenny hit it off straight away. He's really, really knowledgeable. He, um, you know, he just, he, he straight away knew exactly what I needed, what I needed to work on, what things I needed to do. And we just went to work on that. And then, you know, one thing led to another. and You know, I started to get um, much better in my striking much better in my overall MMA game. I started sparring with, you know, um, people like Tai Tuivasa and um, Mark Hunt and Darren Till and, and those kind of guys. And I started training with them and Tom Aspinall and, and people like that. And, um, you know, it just it just brought my confidence up heaps. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and claim I'm on their level, but, you know, they, they always invite me back to train. So, you know, I took a lot of uh, I took a lot of uh, of heart from that, and and you know, it's just been going from strength to strength, and I feel like I'm getting better every day. And um, 
you know, I know a lot of heavyweights in, in Australia don't really have a, a jiu-jitsu game, and uh, and I do, and it's been really hard to find a match because a lot of guys, you know, as soon as they know you, you're half decent at jiu-jitsu, they, they don't want to take the fight. Mm. Um, so it's been really hard finding a, uh, we've been, I've been essentially waiting almost a, pretty much a year for a fight, uh, but we finally got one. Um, so I'm 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 really looking forward to that, and I'm really looking forward to uh, showcasing the, the the skills that I've learned and, and and that I've acquired. Heavyweight is hard enough to get a fight. Like heavyweight's one of those ones where it's so scarce that you will see light heavyweights that don't cut weight, or even middleweights that don't cut weight fighting at heavy. But like you're saying too, all of a sudden, as as another heavyweight at that sort of level looking at making their debut or maybe they've had a couple of fights or whatever it is and they go, oh, I've got to fight against this you know, world-class athlete who also happened to do really well at jiu-jitsu and now trains with the best heavyweights in the country. That's a hard sell for a lot of them. So I think the fact that you've been able to get someone to take that fight, happy days. It is, it is. And like, you know, all respect to my opponent, you know, I don't know much about him, but what I do know is he's, he's, he's a lot bigger than me. Mm. I know that. Um, he's had more fights than me. I think I think this will be his third fight. Mm-hmm. Um, he was drafted into the NFL a, mm. a few years ago here from Australia, but he, he didn't quite make the cut. So I know he's going to be really big and strong and athletic, and uh, and I think that's why he's taken the fight. You know, he's not. I don't think he's intimidated by my strength or my athleticism, mm. and I think he wants. Uh, I think he thinks that he's a better athlete than me, and I think he thinks that that, that athleticism will beat me. And that's what you um, needed. You needed someone with that type of confidence, I guess, to take the fight. You needed someone with a similar, you know, not the same background, but a similar background in that uh, having that confidence, like you said, in his athleticism, in his size, in his strength, to go, no, I'll be okay. I'll take this fight. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, you know, this is the thing. I think what a lot of people don't understand is I'm making my debut. You know, it's the mm. first time I'm going to be stood under the lights. It's the first time I'm... I'm, I'm going to be walking out it's the first time I'm going to be doing a weigh in and, and, and the lights and all the rest of it so there's a lot on my plate you know what I mean for a first fight and most of the time people when they have their first fight they, they have their first fight with someone who's, who's also had a first fight you know what I mean who's making their mm. debut as well I'm fighting a guy who's on his third fight I'm fighting a guy who's got a background in wrestling I'm fighting a guy who's bigger than me um, and, and, and I'm not worried I'm not worried at all you know mm. um because I tell myself he's not going to hit harder than Taito Ivasa. He's not going to hit harder than, than Mark Hunt. He's not going to mm. be more aggressive than Darren Till. Um, you know, so I'm I'm not worried. And I really do believe that, um, you know, uh, I've got the skills. Um, and I've worked really hard to acquire those skills. So I'm not, you know, I'm not afraid to say that I, I, I do believe I have them. You know what I mean? I've, I've, I've been training with the best and I, and I, and I feel good. Um, and you know, best of luck to him. Um, you know, and, and credit to him for taking the fight because um I always knew if I was gonna take a fight I would have to take a fight where the, the odds were not in my favour, i.e. I'd have mm. to fight someone bigger, I'd have to fight someone with more experience than me, which is fine. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not here to shy away from any any I don't want easy fights, you know what I mean? I don't wanna fight a guy who's had no fights and is making his debut because I'd probably I'd probably eat him alive. Mm. You know, and it's it's not a it's just you know like what's he gonna do? He's he's just not trained with the caliber of fighters that I have, and he's not 
he's not he's not going to be as athletic as I am, and you know it'd be unfair. Yeah, I feel, and I and I wouldn't want that. You know what I mean? But this is a this is a big guy, and, and you know he's he's got a wrestling background, and he's going to try and wrestle me. But I think I think he's making a big mistake. You know, um, I just think I've got the best jujitsu game in, in any heavyweight in 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 this part of the world. You know. I'm, I'm stoked to see it happen. I mean, it, it's one thing to watch. Everyone loves to watch heavyweights fight anyway because we know how quickly the tide can turn. But it's special, again, to see heavyweights with discernible skill sets. You know, you're seeing a heavyweight. There's, there's not a lot of guys at that weight with really good jiu-jitsu. So it's always fun to see someone throw those sort of submissions up and go, oh, shit, there's that too. I forgot that big guys could do that, you know. So that's yeah. going to be exciting to see. And hats off to Eternal. They're doing a fantastic job for them to get this fight to happen, to make the fight happen. November 2nd, yeah, Eternal? It's November 1st. November 1st. November 1st. Uh, Friday, November 1st, uh, South Point Shots. There you go. Mate, hats off to Eternal. They are currently doing massive things in the country. I've been loving covering their stuff because they seem to put on a show every week, which uh, makes mm-hmm. it very easy for me to keep track of, which is really good. So hats off to them. They're putting on a heap of shows everywhere, and uh, they're doing a fantastic job. So good job to them for making the fight happen. And, uh, Matt, I look forward to seeing you get in there and mix it up. I'll be watching from home, and um, hopefully we can get you some more fights not long after that. Yeah, 100%, man. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it's win or learn for me. Um, this is amateur, so, you know, I, I'm not worried. They can give me any person, any fight, anywhere, anytime, any place. Uh, I'm more than happy to take it, you know what I mean? Uh, it's amateur, so it, it's not really going uh, to have a long-term effect on, on my, you know, it's not gonna have a long term effect on, on my uh, career in MMA, but it's 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 I want to learn. You know what I mean. So give me the biggest guys, give me the biggest hitters, give me the best wrestlers, give me the best jiu-jitsu guys. Just give me give me guys that I game and that are gonna give me a good fight. You know what I mean. And I'm mm. I'm more than happy to step in with anyone. And um, you know, nice. No, dude, I love it. All right, look, hey, before we wrap it up, I like to give people a chance to get a plugs, mention shout outs otherwise. So. Anyone you want to mention, let them know now, and uh, I'll tag them in when I post up later on. Yeah, man. I mean, um, uh, like, who, who do I want to shout out? As in, like, uh, my coaches or yeah, yeah. Anyone, anyone you want to shout out? Anyone you want to shout out? Well, uh, you know, I think I think first and foremost, I, I need to shout out my coach uh, Lenny, uh, Lenny Kent at Transition MMA. Um, he's been he's been he's been a godsend to me. Him and Steve Ng. Um, they're not just coaches. They they're on the phone to me whenever I need to talk. Whenever I'm having any doubts, they're always there, always at the end of the line. And uh, I really feel I'm part of the family. Uh, and I think that's the that's been the biggest thing. Um, obviously, you know, I've got all my training partners as well. Um, and they they you know, it, it's not nice to be um, to have me be on top of you and roll with you and stuff like that. But these guys put their bodies on the line for me just so I can keep getting better and drilling my moves and stuff like that. So I've got to thank, uh, you know, all of those guys as well. Um, you know, um, and I hope on, on Friday the 1st, I can do everyone proud and I can prove to everyone, you know what I mean, what I'm all about. Nice. Dude, I look forward to it. And uh, like I said earlier in the chat as well, it honestly, the story is a feel-good story. It's a movie script waiting to happen. You know, the, the the immigrating to the UK, the coming up, the the rugby, the becoming a doctor, you know, turning to jujitsu and becoming a fighter, like all of that stuff. I'm hearing it. I'm going, oh, that's a script. That's a script. This is a movie. <laughs> Eventually, this is a movie. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's surreal sometimes because, you know, people like me where I'm from, you know, I'm, I'm from Palestine and most of my dad's family live in the Gaza Strip, you know. The Gaza Strip is a place, it's the most densely populated place in the world. It's an open-air prison. Um, it's, you know, eight out of every ten children there have PTSD. It's got the highest rate of chromosomal abnormalities. Uh, they only have uh, electricity that runs for an hour a day. And most of my family live there. You know, I'm one of the, I'm one of very lucky few out of my family that managed to make it out of there, uh, uh, thanks to my dad. And, uh, you know, I feel that I've been given an opportunity in life that those people have, have not. A lot of my family have not. So, you know, I, I could have just settled at being a doctor, but, but it's, it's, it's not enough. You know what I mean? For me, it's, it's just not, it's not good enough. You know what I mean? I, I want to represent my people. I want to represent where I'm from and I want to represent people that, that don't have a voice. And I feel with sport, I can do that. And, uh, you know, we'll see where the MMA world takes me. We'll see what uh, paths it opens for me. And, and, and we'll see, like, how many people I can reach out to, open up to and, and, and share, you know, my people's story and share our struggles. And, and, and yeah, and, 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 and keep going like that. Love it. I love it, brother. Oh, well, look, this has been a pleasure talking to you. I look forward to yeah. seeing you fight, and I look forward yeah. to watching the movie when it's up on the big screen. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, no worries. We'll talk soon. It. See, See you, brother. Have a good one. Bye-bye.